Good evening. There we are. We are on. Okay. Okay, this morning we was a little patriotic. We're going to sing another song that's Mine Eyes Have Seen the Glory of the Coming of the Lord. This is song I believe was written during the Civil War. It was. All right. It does have five verses. We're going to sing all five verses, though. Okay? All right. We're ready. Mine eyes have seen the glory of coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He hath loosed in faithful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Our God is marching on. I have seen him in the watch follow under circling camps. They have built him an altar in the evening dews and damps. I can read the righteous sentence and the hymn of flaring lamp. His day is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Sounded forth the trumpet that shall never sound retreat. He is swiftly at the hearts of men before the judgment seat. Oh, be swift, my soul, to answer. Our God is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory. Let's stand the last two verses. In the beauty of the lily, Christ was born across the sea. With the glory of his bosom that transfigures you and me. As he died to make men holy, let us live to make men free. While God is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Honor to the brave, 
So the world shall be his footstep, and the soul of all his slave. Our God is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Our God is marching on. Amen. Brother Thomas, he's hiding back there. <laughs> Lead us word for her, please. May be seated. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people will humble themselves, then will I heal heal their land. If my people's hearts are humble. If my people's hearts are humbled, if they pray and seek my face. If they turn away from evil, I will not withhold my grace. I will hear their praise from heaven. I will pardon every sin. If my people hearts are humbled, I will surely heal their land. Then my eyes will see their sorrow, then my ears will hear their plea. If my people hearts are humbled, I will set their nation free. If my people's hearts are humbled, if they pray and seek my face, if they turn away from evil, I will not rethold my grace. If my people will. Brother Terry. Well, amen. amen. I'll tell you what. I need to throw a couple of bouquets. Did y'all think that the service this morning was put together pretty well? Did you appreciate that? You know who did that, don't you? Brother Harold. And I just want him to know I appreciate the way he puts these kind of special things together. He does an excellent job at it. And I am, I am so thankful for his presence in our midst. I want to throw another bouquet while I have the opportunity to do that because I don't know if I'm going to get to see him Wednesday very much, but I want Thomas to know how much I have appreciated your ministry in this church for the last five years. You, you have not only 
blessed us through seeing the growth of our youth ministry, but you have blessed us through getting to see your growth as a minister and your family's growth in that. And I just praise the Lord for five years that he gave us to have you with us. Thank you, Thomas, Natasha, and boys for your part in this. Thank you. Okay, I've thrown some bouquets. Now, open your Bibles to Psalm 23. Do you know that one? Is there anything new that can, can come out of Psalm 23? There probably is, but I'm probably not going to give it to you tonight. Um, I just want to use this just kind of a devotional thought. Uh, this has been a, a special day. I've enjoyed uh, the things that have taken place, and I just want to end it on an encouraging note tonight. So... Uh, Psalm 23 is what we are going to be looking at, but particularly, we are going to be looking at the first five words of Psalm 23. Yes, Jackie, you can put your Bible up. Uh, she's heard this before, but uh, at least some of it, and then a little, maybe a little different than what it will be this evening. But uh, let me read, first of all, the 23rd Psalm, just to remind you, right? It's familiar, but in the familiarity sometimes we lose the beauty and the grace of what it is. So, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And where will I dwell? I will dwell in the house of the Lord. How long? Forever. Amen. Isn't that a beautiful psalm? Well written. Uh, magnificent. It's also got a good message to it. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you that tonight, because of your great love for us, we have the opportunity to call you our shepherd. You are so great and gracious in all that you do. And you have brought us to a point where when we surrender to you and we become your sheep, there is so much blessing that comes to us because you always lead us correctly. 
You always lead us in the right direction. You, you, you always are watching over us and caring for us, as this psalm so eloquently describes. And so, Father, I just pray that we can go from this place this evening declaring proudly, honestly, and with conviction that you are our shepherd. I pray it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. In the Hebrew, I understand, I am not a Hebrew scholar. Now, Thomas is going to be a Hebrew scholar before too long. Um, in the Hebrew, this psalm begins by saying, Jehovah Rophi, the Lord my shepherd. In two Hebrew words, he says everything that's included in five English words. And so, uh, Rophi, R-O-H-I, is... Um, is the Hebrew for shepherd. And the Lord is all the rest of it. So with that in mind, let's just walk through this a little and see if there's not some significance for us in what David was saying here. David was identifying himself in a way that may not have been common in that day in one sense. Um, not many of us may want to identify ourselves as sheep. We don't always want to be going around, bah, bah. However, I discovered up north that they use that a lot, and they're not really trying to say, bah, bah. They're, like, for instance, we were in Bar Harbor, and it's bah, ha, bah. And uh, so it's, it's a little different, uh, you know, uh, twist on that. But the first word is always important. How many different lords can there be? How many different ones could we be serving today? The Lord, he says. The Lord, the way it is, it is translated in the English. The Lord. Not another Lord, not a different Lord, not a younger Lord, not an older Lord, not a weaker Lord, not a sorry Lord, not a Lord that's just Lord over a few things, not a Lord that doesn't know anything about what's going on in all of the universe or hasn't, doesn't have any authority to be able to do anything in changing it. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. The article, that word of emphasis, is what helps us to understand that he's being very specific in who he's talking about and that there is, in his estimation, no other like the Lord. The Lord. We say that sometimes for other things when, when, we, uh, when, we, when we talk. Well, for instance... Uh, in, in sports, um, 
we as Arkansas people um, who root for the Razorbacks don't have to be told, you know, about other Razorbacks like the ones that are down in Texarkana in high school, but the Razorbacks, the Razorbacks, and everybody knows what you're talking about, the Razorbacks. And there are a lot of, a lot of other ways that that the becomes very important. It, it identifies the exact one that you're talking about so that there are no others who can qualify or are equal to the one that you identify. The Lord is my shepherd. You see, we make choices in life. We make choices about who we're going to serve, what we're going to how we're going to live our lives, what's going to be important to us. And unfortunately, sometimes we make bad decisions. Sometimes it's drugs. Sometimes it's alcohol. Sometimes it's sex. Sometimes it's money. Sometimes it's reputation. Sometimes it is power or authority. There are all different kinds of lords that we can have in our lives, but the Lord, the Lord, is the one who some years ago spoke the world into existence. Simply by speaking, let there be light. There was light. And then he went through that progression for those six days that he created always creating one thing after the other in proper order, not necessarily the order that Mr. Darwin might agree with, but nevertheless, the proper order for how things were to be created to accomplish what he wanted done. He is the creator. But not only is he the creator, he's the sustainer. He didn't have just enough energy to make everything and then throw it out there and let it do its own thing. He continues to sustain every part of his creation through his infinite power and wisdom and ability. The Lord. Now the term Lord is a term that fits in nicely with thee because when you think about the Lord in this particular case, you are talking about the Lord as shepherd. You're talking about Jehovah. Jehovah was a special word for God that the Jews had um, because they didn't want to give the name of God. And so they called him Jehovah. They said, Jehovah is our God. And they, they didn't feel that they were worthy to say uh, God's name. And so they put another name in, in the place of that. And so in this, this particular case, that's what this is referring to. And um, in, in the Hebrew, or, in, or in, in the Greek, I should, I should say, Rophi, uh, I mean, the, the shepherd, the pastor, um, is the Lord. Now, you have Lord all capital letters in, in this passage, and that is to identify him 
as the God of heaven and earth, as the creator of all things. There are a lot of other ways that, that, that comes out. Sometimes when we write letters, we write capital L and then O-R-D in, in lower case. And this is one of the instances where David intentionally wanted it to be known that the one that he was referring to was the God of creation, the God of the nation of Israel, the God who, who was in control of all things, the Lord. Again, there are other lords. There was Lord Byron. There have been other lords like I think even one of the Beatles um, is Lord something now because the queen bestowed upon him that title. And um, their Lord is also used a lot of times uh, to talk about the master of a plantation or, or something like that in, in the olden days. It, the, the, word, the term Lord was, was used in that way. But this was designated specifically so that you could understand that this just isn't just any Lord. This is the Lord. And he is worthy of our acknowledgement, of our praise, of our glory. And the thing that God makes abundantly clear to us is that he is so great and so capable and so loving and so kind and all of the other quality characteristics that make him God that there could not be any other who could take his place. He's the Lord. He's the one I look up to. He's the one I need to be obedient to. He's the one that with my whole heart I need to love. He's the one who's able to carry through me even the valley of the shadow, carry me through even the shadow of the valley of death. He's the one who is able to provide for my needs and desires to do that. He doesn't want us working so hard to make our own living. He wants us to be serving Him. And He says if we'll serve Him, He'll take care of all of those things. He's the Lord. He's able to supply our needs according to His riches in glory. The Lord. The next word, a verb is, is, was, will be, has been. We use those terms all the time. And when, when we are using them, they help us to, to express something that is true in our lives. We could say the Lord is going to be my shepherd. There's going to come the day that I'm going to decide that I'm going to follow him. Or we could say, the Lord was my shepherd. I, I used to follow him as Lord, but I don't now. There are lots of other words that you could stick in that spot, but this is the one that helps us to know that in David's mind, the one Lord that there was is his shepherd not has been, not will be, but is. Present tense. 
He is continuing to walk in that close proximity to God. He is looking to the Lord to be the one who directs his steps as he talks about, as he goes through and talks about all of the reasons that he doesn't want for anything. Because the Lord is his shepherd. Now, first of all, that means that the Lord is. He's not a figment of somebody's imagination. He wasn't just made up way back in the dark ages when somebody didn't have anything else to do and decided, well, let's just talk about this and make up some kind of mythology that will, will cover what's happening in our world. No! It was God who revealed himself to man. Not man seeking out God, first of all, in that regard. God sought us. He created us. And God, this is one of those (coughs) unfathomable things. God always is. It's never who he is was, <coughs> excuse me, it's never who he will be. It's always he is. It's like <coughs> in his economy <coughs> that there is no past tense and there is no future tense. Everything is in the, in, in the present. That way, he knows the end from the beginning. There's not any of that in between that he doesn't know. That's because he is, not was, not will be, but is. So, The Lord is my shepherd. That word of identity, that personal word, that pronoun that can only suggest one person, and that's me. He's my shepherd. It is a a personal matter, your relationship to God. God desires to walk with you personally in your life. He wants to be the enabler. He wants to be the guide. He wants to be the helper. He wants to be the support. He wants to be the strength that lifts you up. He wants to be the one that you can look to and know that he will only guide you in the way you need to go. And that he loves you so much that he would sin his only begotten son for you. He sent him for me. He sent him for whosoever, but whosoever gets to claim him as my Lord, my shepherd. For the psalmist to realize, for David to to realize that he had the wonderful provision of being able to have a personal relationship with God. 
Now, when I was in, in high school, there were a lot of girls that I wanted to have a personal relationship with. Wanted to get to know them, find out who they were, how they operated, all those kind of things. And um, finally, you know, then I could have my girlfriend, right? So how, how you do your searching, how you come to the conclusion that, that, that the Lord is your shepherd suggests that you have made a personal determination that there was no one else adequate to be that person. My wife, there is probably no other person adequate to do what Jackie does for me. Bless her heart. She puts up with a lot. But that's because God prepared us for each other. So she is my wife. And I am grateful and thankful that God gave me Jackie Lane to be my wife. But I should be even more grateful that God has given me the opportunity to become a part of his family and the opportunity to know the Lord Jesus as my brother and as my support and as my guide and as my power and as, as my wisdom and as everything I need. There was a little boy that was re reciting Psalm 23, and he never got farther than the first verse. Because what he said was, the Lord is my shepherd, he's all I need. And that's it. That's who the Lord is. That's, that's, that's what we need to understand. He's all we need. He is my shepherd. It's that personal. I, I hope, I pray that every day you have that personal of a relationship with the Lord. That you can talk to him just like you would talk to anybody else in your family or that you work with or anything else. You can talk to God. The Lord is my shepherd. Jesus is called the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd in the New Testament. And he describes himself as being the shepherd. And so we can be thankful that we have the opportunity to have him as a shepherd. Now, the work of a shepherd was to take care of the sheep. You've probably heard all kinds of sermons on that, and, and I don't need to go into that too much. I just need to remind you of a few things. 
the shepherd always has to be smarter than the sheep. Um, some people say it a different way. They, they say the sheep are dumb animals. They don't know what they need and what they don't need. They, they look to the shepherd to be the one who provides everything for them because they don't know any better. <laughs> I mean, it should be the same with us. We shouldn't know any better but to ask God because he wants to provide our needs. He wants to be more than just a savior, a fire insurance policy for us. So the shepherd has to be smarter than, than the sheep. And he has to know very well the needs of his sheep. In order to do that, he has to know each of the sheep. He knows the ones that are likely to wander off. He knows the ones that are likely to eat too much. He knows the ones that like to stir up trouble and squabbles in the, in the, in the fold of the, shep, of the shepherd. He knows, he knows all about them. He knows about their scratches, their scratches, their bumps, their bruises. The shepherd keeps up so well with the sheep. That's why he can anoint their head with oil when it's needed, when they've got those scratches, when they've got those things that happened to him because his love and compassion is so great for them. He knows them. And I hope it doesn't take you a whole lifeline to learn how well God knows you. I hope you can get to enjoy some of that knowledge and rest in him because of how well he knows you and how he wants to guide you and, and enable you and use you. The Lord is my shepherd. The shepherd was responsible for taking care of them and for bringing them back in. If they were out close, they would always come back into the same fold. And the shepherd didn't drive them. He didn't drive the sheep because he called them by name when they would come into the fold. And they would all come into the fold, and then he would be the door that, that is there to keep those sheep in the fold because he was watching over them and protecting them and caring for their needs. Do you have that sense of security that we can have in Jesus? Knowing that he is willing to take care of every need that we have and that he wants to use us. He has a plan for us and, and what is best for us and will lead us in that path.
It's simply a matter of trust, of faith, of putting ourselves into the hands of Jesus. There's a commercial that uh, I think is, is pretty amazing for a commercial. I think it's Venus Williams. And it's about the, the Lincoln Navigator uh, system of being able to drive you without you driving the car. Have you seen that one where there's the picture of the father with his daughter and they're in the water and he's holding her up and he's telling her, now you need to be ready. I'm going to let you go. And when I let you go, you just float. You just relax and let the water hold you up. I had a teacher when I was a young kid that did exactly the same thing for me when I was learning how to swim so I wouldn't be afraid of the water. And she did that. She held me up, and then she moved her hand away. If I had just started sinking, she put her hand right back under me, lifted me up, and she said, Now, concentrate on this. Just relax. Just let the water do what the water can do for you. And finally, I learned to trust in the water to hold me up. And I didn't need her hands under me. And I didn't have to be fearful about the water because now I could swim and do other things and play in the water. And if I needed to and to rest, I could just float on the top and be able to rest and then go on with whatever else I needed to do. Very important lesson that I learned about swimming. And that dad was teaching his daughter that. And he let her go finally. And she just relaxed and floated in the water. And I, I think that's such a great picture of how we can trust in Jesus. We take our lives and we say, here, Jesus, you're the one that can take care of me, and we place ourselves in his hands. You lead me. You protect me. You provide for me. You be the one that guides me and uses me in whatever way you choose to use me with my life. And you know what? He'll do it. He'll do it. The Lord is my shepherd. Is the Lord your shepherd as completely as what David was referring to when he wrote this? Can you, can you trust in God to the degree that David trusted in God? Can you enjoy your relationship with God as much as David did to know that God would be with him in all of the different aspects of what his life was going to be. 
That's our declaration that needs to be given to the world. The Lord is my shepherd. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you this evening and thank you for the privilege of being in your house this evening. We thank you that you guided David as he wrote the 23rd Psalm, and that those words have meaning and application for us. In a sense, it's, it's really a promise. It's a promise that we can trust in you to shepherd us through life, to lead us, to provide for us, to enable us, to help us continually be growing in you and in the things that are important in life. Thank you that you love us that much. And just enable us to yield to you in such a way that you find us useful, pliable, obedient as your sheep. We pray it. In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. Do any of you have any announcements or anything that we need to go over? You have your bulletins, right? You can read them. Pay attention to what you've got. We've got some good activities coming up, and I encourage you to be a part of those. Be in prayer for Brother Mac, Larry, thank you. Be in, in prayer for Brother Mac. Be in prayer for Thomas and Natasha as they make this change, going from one of the most wonderful places to live to Berryville. <laughs> and that they can enjoy that. Cindy? Do you, okay, how, how much, how long do they have to put that name on the list? How long do they have? Yes. Okay. Okay. So a couple of weeks, a little over a couple of weeks. Okay. Well, 21 days, three weeks. Okay. Three opportunities, if you're only counting the Sundays that we're here. Okay, anything else? Okay, if you'll stand, we'll have a word of prayer. Again, I thank you for the privilege of being able to stand before you. It's first of all because of the power and the grace and the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's secondly because of your patience and faithfulness in allowing me to do this. If everybody went to Brother Mac and told him, there's nobody we hate worse than listening to Brother Terry. Don't put him on anymore. He would listen to you. But I'm thankful that you haven't done that and I get the opportunities. Thank you. And may God bless you 
as we go from this place. Max, lead us, please, in the closing prayer. Amen.